All right, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to the post-game show. Jeff Hartman, co-editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, here with you, Brian Anthony Davis, our podcast producer, and Dave Schofield, the other co-editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. And uh, we're going to talk about the defense here. Uh, I do see that someone said they we skipped a question, Dave. Are you got it? Thank yep, you very I found much. It. All right, very good. Thank you. Two dollars from Edward. He said the Dallas O line is underrated. Three straight on the road is huge. It is, it is. And you come off games against Cleveland, Tennessee, and Baltimore. It's tough, but you find a way to win. You find a way to win. That's exactly what the Steelers did. As they win. 24 to 19. What a strange score. No one got that one right. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get to the defensive side of the ball. The defensive side of the ball. We'll start off with the front in terms of run blocking or run stopping. We'll put it that way. Uh, let's see here. Ezekiel Elliott had 18 carries for 51 yards, but he was not the leading rusher for Dallas. Tony Pollard, nine carries for 57, a 6.3 with a long of 20. They ran the ball 31 times for 144 yards. Guys, this is the second straight game that the Steelers' run defense has been gashed. Last week was 263 to Baltimore. This week, 144 to Dallas. What in the world's going on with the Steelers' rush defense? Graded out, Dave. Go ahead. Well, what do you do when you're a coach and you look to, to try to exploit something on the other team? You look for a weakness and you see if you can turn it to your advantage. And they had a weakness. And that weakness is the injury of to Tyson Alualu. And mm-hmm. I think that they try to take advantage of that. What What's crazy is remember the, I still can't say the guy's name. I screwed it up. He was so he's a rookie for the Cowboys. Their center gets hurt in pregame. Some people had him had the Steelers. I wanted the Steelers to draft him this past best past uh, off season, but I, they said it, the name on TV and I I'm like, that's nowhere close to how I ever said it. Tyler Biotish. Biotish. That's how they said it. And then Looney comes in. I think he actually played better than what they were getting from the rookie. They, you still got to stop. I mean, it's so frustrating when the Steelers come out and it's you know first and first and ten, and they hold them to a yard, and it's second and nine, and they stop hold them to no gain, and it's third and nine, and they run it, and they get the freaking first down or get right up to the first down. I mean, I I think it goes to show that maybe there it could be eventually at some point some promise with these younger defensive linemen, but they're not there with a cons- from a consistency standpoint. You can see tendencies on film. I'm afraid that, you know, Isaiah Bugs, they got a lot of film on him last week, that they could take advantage of that. Um, you need to get Tyson Alualo back. He is making a big difference in the middle of this defense. Did you give a grade? Did I miss oh, that? What am I grading anyway? The run defense? The run defense, yeah. Um, the run defense, it wasn't consistent enough, so I'm going to give it a C. Okay. Brian Anthony Davis, go. C for me, no Tyson Alualo is Dave's right. I mean, just really knocking this uh, this run defense back. There were some uh, good stops with the running game, but when you're gashing them on third down, like Dave said, you know that's inexcusable. So, did I give him a grade? He did. You did. You you him a okay. <laughs> I'm going to give them honestly. I'm going to give him a D. And they had an F last week for me. They have a D this week because it's a little bit better. But Dave, you put it you put it well. And when you're talking about those third down draw plays, I know that you're typically calling that against the blitz and you're hoping for the best. But you really, if you listen to Keith Butler's, um, and we are privy to his transcript, so I got to read his interview with the media. 
he spoke a lot about how some players, and he mentioned Stefan Tuitt and even Cam Hayward, how sometimes they try to make plays on their own and they don't stay in their gaps and do their job. And that's when they get gashed. And you could see it. I was kind of watching it today because I'm sitting there, I'm listening to, okay, I'm reading what Keith Butler's saying. I want to see it. And you saw it a lot of times. Look at TJ Watt on that third and, I think it was a third and short, and he guessed on the inside run. Pollard bounces it outside. There's no contain on that side, and there there's a big big first down for the Cowboys. Dave, were you going to say something? I was going to say, and why do you make why do you gamble and try to make a play on those when you're missing one of your guys that yeah. you that you know maybe you're not you know I don't know if it's a trusting or whatnot when you know that you've got. One of, you know, like I said, one of the very top ranked interior defensive linemen in Tyson Alualu, not out there. Sometimes you feel like you got to step up and make a play. And sometimes you guess and guess wrong. Yeah. So there you go. Let's go to the pass rush now. Uh, the pass rush. I feel like it's a good way to break this up. Uh, they only got to Gilbert twice, but they were around him a lot. And they had a lot of pass breakups, believe it or not. Uh, the Steelers were credited with nine quarterback hits. They were around him. They gave Cam Hayward half, and they gave TJ Watt a half. I wouldn't be shocked if that goes all the way to Hayward. Watt just kind of came up and cleaned up, in my opinion. Do you know why you give half to Watt? Because of the one that Watt missed. When Watt had Watt had him on the previous drive. He threw it away. He threw and it he, away in the same way Hayward did. And the Steelers were quite lucky on that play. If they they could have called a horse collar tackle and they did not, yep. he what didn't he didn't he had his hand up there, he didn't pull him down by it, and honestly that's why it was good that TJ was there, but they, it shouldn't have been called. But if they would have called it, you almost could have been like, well, I see why they did. TJ Watt was credited with three pass defenses. He got his hands yeah. up a lot, was getting the ball, was knocking the ball down. And in terms of tackle for loss, tackles for losses, Vince Williams had two. To it with one, Hayward with one, Highsmith with one, Carlos Davis Davis had one, one. Mondo had a big one, and they had seven total. So, guys, uh, in terms of the pass rush, what are your grades here? We were predicting some big things on the Steelers preview Thursday night. I think Brian said eight for sack. They only get to him twice. Dave, we'll go with you. I I don't want to give it that – the problem is it's not meeting our expectations coming into this game. And our expectations were set by the big, the big point spread, all those other things. We thought, oh, you know, they've given up a ton of sacks and everything this this year. We expected so much more. And you didn't get it. But there were times, especially late in the game, once the Steelers, especially those last couple of drives, that they were able to at least disrupt enough. So it's not that they did poor, but it's not that they did outstanding. They need to get home a little bit more. I'm going to go B. All right, Brian, what about you for the pass rush? I am going B as well. I thought uh, they were doing quite well, and when it was time to go ahead and wrap up that game, they were they were getting to them. You know, I, I did not really have a problem with them not getting as many sacks as we thought they would. Uh, nice to see Highsmith get a sack in there. Um, you know, there was another situation where I thought it was going to be a sack and he just gets that ball off late in the game. And even though, uh, they knocked down, I think it was Elliot who caught the ball and they, they cracked him right away, but that was a huge play to have them go ahead. And, uh, 
I can't remember whether they went for it on fourth down or punted in that situation, but it, it was pretty big. So I thought they they were a part of the solution and not a part of the problem. So they get that B for me. I'm going to give them a B plus, and because I think when you make a play in a key moment, it, it definitely it definitely is magnified. Cam Hayward's sack should have ended the game. It should mm-hmm. have ended the game. And it was crazy when I was my, my whole family's in the living room. We're all watching it. My kids are jumping around because they see me getting excited. And um, then all of a sudden I'm starting to write the recap and I'm basically saying, Hey, game over. I'm putting the score in all this stuff. And next thing you know, Holy cow, this thing's not over. And they come down the field, but the pass rush showed up when they had to, I'll give them a B plus. Good. Just because the, there was a lot of people in the live chat saying there's no horse collar inside, inside the pocket. Go back and look at where that contact was made. He was out of the pocket by that point. Okay. It was, it was really, really close. It was really yeah. close to being out of the pocket because he was trying to get away. All right. So uh, next let's talk about the secondary. Uh, Garrett Gilbert throws 21 for 38, 243 yards, 6.4 average, one touchdown, the CD lamb, one interception, uh, two sacks, as I said, with a 72.6 rating. It, they they won the game, but the, the, I tell you what, the he's not he's not a really young guy, but the the young with the first start he played well. I mean, CD Lamb had yeah. four catches for seventy one yards. Amari Cooper five for sixty seven. Dalton Schultz, tight end, who uh, Dave Halpern, uh, the editor at Hub Blog and the Boys, he was my he was the guy that no one was talking about. He said to keep an eye on. I thought the tight end Schultz played well. Um, Michael Gallup three for 36. When you look at the Steelers side of things, obviously Minka Fitzpatrick, two pass defenses. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick was all over the field in terms of he had the interception. He also had the fumble recovery guys if we're grading the secondary. Cause I gotta be honest, I was writing up, a, a, an I think it was the, one of the articles I do with the other editor. Uh, and I was talking about CD lamb and Cooper and Gallup I was like, man, they have some weapons. Like they, they had a quarterback yeah. that could get them the football. That's not a bad yeah. offense. Gilbert did just that, but how do you grade the secondary, Dave? Well, it's really difficult because part of the thing that I kept noticing, and uh, I know my brother kept noticing because he brought it up in in the, in the knee jerk article, was how many times were we seeing wide receivers catching passes where they were matched up against linebackers? Yeah. I mean, it seemed it was constant. And I'm like, how in the world is C.D. Lamb catching the ball with a linebacker on him? What do we have all these secondary guys out there for? So either they were scheming it up very well or or the Steelers were were not matching what they were scheming up very well. So when you add that aspect into it, they made some nice plays, but they also gave up the big ones, like Cam Sutton gave up the early one to Amari Cooper and things like that. So once again, I'm just going to go average. I'm just going to go see. Brian, what about your secondary thoughts? Boy, they are really starting to miss Mike Hilton even more and more each week. And I'm going to leave it at that. You know, came up big when they had to, but I've got to give them a C as well, but it's going to be a C plus. I'm going to give them a B plus because they came up with big plays. Uh, You think about the interception, um, Cam Sutton punching the ball out. Um, and that was, uh, was that on CD lamb? I believe who was carrying the football at the time. I think so. And it popped right into Minka's yeah. hands. Those are key plays. And so I, in a game like this, we always say like the big plays are going to win the game. I mean, you need a couple bounces to go your way for sure. You need a couple calls. The Steelers did get those, 
but I'm going to give him a B plus. I thought the secondary played a good game. You can definitely tell the miss the missing Mike Hilton. And yeah. when you get a linebacker on a guy, a lot of times that's Mike Hilton would be that guy that's normally taking that job. Mike Tomlin's spoken about how they use him as a small linebacker all the time in his most recent press conferences. Maybe fingers crossed they get him back this week because they get ready for the Bengals in week 10. Edward gives us $2. He said Spilly and Vince got exposed in coverage. Look, I don't think anyone is expecting Robert Spillane and Vince Williams to be good in coverage. Like, you know, if, if an offense is going to scheme that up, that's a good offensive scheme. This is where I, I ask myself, why aren't the Steelers doing this to the opposition? Yeah. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I, I'm not going to disagree with anything that was just said. It's just a fact of they're not known for coverage. They're not Devin Bush. Not many people are. Let's put it that way. Not many people are. All right, now let's go to the part that's really painful, the special teams. Special teams. Um, kicking. Chris Boswell was two for two on field goals. Really should have been one for two. He misses the 54-yarder. There's a false start penalty or a pre-snap penalty on the Steelers. It bumps it back to 59, and he makes the 59. He misses both of his extra points. One was just pulled left. The other one was blocked. Not to mention, you know, you get a personal foul call, and I believe it was Randy Gregory, and it's a dead ball foul after Juju Smith-Schuster's touchdown. You get to kick off from almost the 50-yard line. A perfect kick. You could not ask Chris Boswell to kick that ball any better. He didn't kick it in the end zone. He kicked it in play, and they give up a ridiculous, I think it was a 72-yard return. And you think about punting. They gave up the trick play where they tossed the ball across the field, the throwback, and that was a 73. That was another big return. I might have gotten my numbers mixed up there. I apologize. Jordan Berry didn't didn't punt the ball poorly today, I didn't think. I don't think it was hit, It was on him. The coverage units were just atrocious the block kicks the fact that mike tomlin said in his post-game press conference that they did not trust their field goal unit to make basically what was it be like a 40 yard field goal maybe even closer oh, no. to see it, i thought it was like a chip shot almost yeah they were inside the 20 weren't they i thought so for a unit special teams across the board that in my opinion have been awesome all season not not, that was it was awful. This was atrocious. But guys, grade out the special teams. We normally don't have to, but we have to today. Dave, what are you giving the special teams? Um, just so you know, that was it. They, the ball was at the fifteen yard line, so okay. you were you were talking at the thirty yarder. Yeah, you're you're talking about a thirty of an extra point. It yeah. was an extra point, and and they they did not go for it. To me, the special teams. I'm going to give it the famous F minus minus. Um, <laughs> Because there's even even the good things were bad things. I mean, but there's a franchise, a new franchise record for the length of a field goal by a Pittsburgh Steelers player of 59 yards, broke the franchise record. It should have been a 54 yard miss. They, they lucked out on that one. Yeah. Then I mean, it all started with the missed extra point and and the two big returns. And Barry didn't do bad, bad kicking the ball, but it got kind of got overshadowed by everything else. So therefore, as the whole unit, but when you're playing a team that's that's a two touchdown underdog, you know what they're going to do? They're going to take crazy chances, and you have to be able to react to those chances that they took. But um, I mean, 
I'm basically erasing the 59 yarder because it never should have even happened because they had already missed the 54 yarder and got lucky. So that's why I'm giving them such a poor score because I'm so frustrated because I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You get the 15 yard penalty. You have an option to get the, to go for two at the one yard line. And you're like, Oh no, let's kick the point, pin them deep. You completely and utterly failed at both of those things that when you took the penalty, when you chose to take the penalty the other way, they, they were complete disasters. It's just, and when when they had to, when they were forced to live in their fears, Mike Thompson doesn't live in his fears. His fear was you go for that for that field goal, it gets blocked for all you know it's returned. We're not gonna, you know, if they're not gonna live in their fears, you kick the field goal. But they lived in their fears, and, and you could say they went for the jugular. If you went for the jugular, you would have thrown the ball or done something that actually would have been successful in fourth down. Um, yeah. Instead, they just – I feel like they played it safe. I'm sorry. I'm I'm done. I, I should stop. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brian, wake up. Go ahead. I'm going to go ahead and give them an L. <laughs> Ludicrous and lousy. I mean, man, I mean, first of all, they got rabled. They've rabled. They get they luck their they had a penalty and got back out on the field and kicked a 59 yarder, which is absolutely amazing. I know they they didn't strategize that, but it was just one of those things you're like, if you're a Cowboys fan, you're incensed because they stopped them 54 yard attempt and they're like, okay, no way they're gonna get this. I'm like, I'm thinking, I said to my buddy, I'm like, I think he's gonna make this. <laughs> and he just put it right down the middle. And you know, I knew the record before, I believe it was a 55, Gary Anderson, 1984, if I'm not mistaken. And and it was also tied by Chris Brown. Okay, yeah, Chris Brown had one as well. That's right. Merry Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what? It just it was just way off. They, I mean, they were way off today, and there was no trust in them. Then you know. We could talk about kicking. That's one thing. We still got some points out of the kicks. The kick return coverage. Oh my gosh. That's where I'm going out throwing out the ludicrous. That was just ridiculous. I mean, he throws that ball across his body. The guy fumbles it and they still can't touch him. (laughs) I mean, they had a chance to pin him. They had a chance to recover. They did not recover to get Uh-oh. anywhere near the ball carrier. It was the Danny Smith we know and despise. Yeah, Danny Smith's crew, like I said, they had been doing well all season. Mm-hmm. I had thought the special teams was a bright spot for this team throughout their undefeated start, and then today they won despite of their special teams. Like I said, Boswell, he misses two extra points. The coverage units were atrocious. Dave, I got to ask you, I was as shocked as you were. were Derek Watt inactive in this game? Yeah. Mike Tomlin, Mike Tomlin said in the post-game press conference, we didn't have Watt, quote-unquote, available to us today. He traveled with the team. Um, he was not on the injury no. report all week. He was not injured. He was a healthy scratch. Yeah. They chose not to have Derek Watt. I was wondering what in the world they brought up Antoine Brooks Jr. again. They brought him up last week, didn't play him a snap, brought him up this week. I don't know if he played at all. They can't elevate him again from the practice squad. You get it twice, and that's it. So he can't be elevated again. So if they want to bring him up anymore, they've got to sign him to the 53. 
that's it. It's going to be interesting to see that explanation. I'm sure he'll get asked about it on Tuesday. Well, then again, I'm with those reporters. They might, not, <laughs> you never know. he might not get asked. So he might get asked about stickers on helmets or something, but it's still, um, it's definitely something where you're wondering to yourself, okay, I get that you wanted the extra defense, maybe an extra defensive lineman. That's why if bugs was banged up and you weren't sure how much he was going to play, but, but Derek Watt is a, is a special teams ace. They're a special team. He's a special teams ace. And I'm going to wait until my final thoughts. Let's do that after our game balls. Let's do our game balls first. Um, We know Brian's offensive game ball went to Mr. Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, Do you want to compound on that anything or expound on that any, Brian? Ben is the straw that stirs the Steelers drink right now. He is the savior of this team, and he's making it happen. Not too far behind is one of the guys he's throwing it to. But I stop taking all the answers. I love what Ben. <laughs> that's why I'm not saying his name. But I, right. I, I love what Ben's doing. Go ahead, Dave. Who's your offensive game ball going to? Well, I mean, it's Ben Roethlisberger. But if it's, if it's not Ben, since Brian already took Ben, then it's Juju, who's who's stepping up and doing everything that he need, that he needs to do uh, when coming up with the big plays when needed. I'm going to, because I would agree 100% with you all, with your first two, I'm actually going to go with Chase Claypool. Not because of this performance, but because did anyone expect him to be this type of player at the midway point of his rookie season? Anyone? I know I didn't. I thought that he would just be, we're going to put him out sparingly in certain situations in the red zone, and he's a big body guy. He's becoming a legitimate threat every time he's on the field and every time he touches the football. It's been a pleasure to watch this kid come in and play really, really well as a rookie. So I'll give it to Chase Claypool because you all took the obvious answers. Let's go to defensive now. Um, Brian, go ahead. Since we went first with you on offense, go ahead. Defensive game ball goes to Minka Fitzpatrick. Got to go obvious here. Yeah. I go first. Um, You know, no, Minka, there's there's really no one else I could really think of. I mean, you know, there's other guys that played well, but Minka, Minka was the guy in this game. He was the one finishing. Dave Schofield? I, I don't even have anyone else to say. I think it's hands down by far Minka Fitzpatrick. Um, it's not that other people didn't make plays. They did along the way. But – you know, fumble recovery and an interception, and you're right there knocking down balls, you know, at the end of the game again. It's just Minka, then everybody else. I'll give you two that you could have picked. Okay. Uh, I thought TJ Watt had a good game. We talked about the pass defenses. He's making an impact even when he's not getting home. I think that's important. And then I called this guy out a little bit. Uh, I think it was two weeks ago. I said, where's Cam Hayward? We need a play from Cam. And he delivered. He one. delivered, and he they finally delivered. And with should the have been pass, the game winner. Should have been the game. <laughs> should have sealed it. But he could have given the game ball to either of those two guys, and I would have been totally okay with it. And by the way, people in the live chat are saying, oh, Jeff, Claypool had some drops. Remember, I said this is more about his whole body of work up until this point, meaning that we're at the halfway point. Okay? Um, I just didn't think that Claypool was going to be this type of receiver for the Steelers this early. Snowman. Oops, that was the wrong one. Snowman disagrees. He said, I th- I did. I thought Claypool would be a beast. So good on you, Snowman. You're a better man than I. Well, um, but- I think we thought he was going to be a beast. We just thought with the way the offseason was from the NFL yeah. that he wasn't going to have a chance to make the impact that he is. And he's doing a good job. Absolutely. 
All right, this has been a really weird show because <laughs> if the Steelers win, they're eight and zero, and here we are. We kind of sound down in the dumps, and uh, we're giving Fs and we're giving Ds and Cs. Uh, let's do our final thoughts. We'll call it a show. Brian Anthony Davis, I'll let you go first. Go for it. Let's go to the 1989 classic movie Major League. It's about baseball, and you have two fans arguing over a home run. Too high, too hard. You can tell by the trajectory of the ball. It's too high. No, it's too hard. Then the other guy comes in and says. Who gives a crap? It's gone. Who gives a crap? The Steelers are eight, eight and zero, and that's all I've got to say. They're eight and zero for the first time in the history of this team from 1933 when they were the Pittsburgh Pirates. So they have never seen this record before. They are in first place in the conference, and they are going to take these wrinkles and they are going to be ironed out. So be proud of your eight and zero Steelers, and don't worry about next week. They're going to figure next week out. This could be a completely different team next week. This game could completely drive them. Sometimes when you escape, sometimes when you sneak out that back door, but you still have the prize, you're like, whoo, I don't want to be in this situation again. And that's exactly what Mike Tomlin does as a coach. Don't worry, fans. Eight and O only. Dave Schofield, final thoughts. If there weren't such things as point spreads, we would how would the entire fan base would feel different? And yes, we're we're grading the Steelers based on how they played this week, and, and they didn't play overly well. But you know what they did do? They played well enough to get a W. I was all ready this week to do what I've what I stick by almost every time and it doesn't fail me is when the Steelers are heavily favored to pick them to win but not cover. It's what they do. I had it in my crunching the numbers article this morning. Before this game, the Steelers under Mike Tomlin were 9 and 1 when they were facing a team where they were favored by two touchdowns or no, or more. 9 and 1. Now they're 10 and 1. But they were only 3 and 7 against the spread. Now they're three and eight. So it shows you that they win the game. We just aren't as happy because they don't win pretty. They did not win pretty. I don't know that this is a win pretty team. The only pretty win we've seen so far was against the Cleveland Browns. They don't have to win pretty. They just have to win. It's not about instilling all the confidence in us that they could go out and conquer anyone. Maybe they shouldn't have overconfidence because you know what? They're the only undefeated team left in the NFL. Everybody else knows that they can't, they can't go into this game status quo and beat the Steelers. They've got to do something different. They've got to do something out of the ordinary, and the Steelers are forced to react to it. The Steelers just need to continue to do so, do what they have to do, keep winning, 8-0, baby, bring it on. On to Cincinnati. Well said. I'm going to say, you know, you think back to some games that were, I feel like, very akin to this one. You think about the Mike Glennon-Tampa Bay game. You think about multiple trips to Oakland. Um, games where everyone's like, oh boy, here we go. Going to lose to an inferior opponent. You think back to the Jets game a couple years ago and last year. But you know what? They found a way to win this football yeah. game. It, they, that's a difference. Like, you know, you can talk about the letdowns. You can talk about playing down to your opponent. But it really does. Does it really matter if you win the football game? To me, it doesn't. It doesn't. Sure, we can grade these people and we can say that, hey, they should do this. They should do that. But when it comes down to it, when it comes down to brass tacks, it means that they they were victorious today. Eight and zero. I said it to start off the show. It's pretty awesome that I can say uh, that I'm seeing something like my dad has seen so much. 
<laughs> all of our dads are seeing four Super Bowls in you know six years and all this crazy, all these crazy statistics and great teams. They've never seen an eight and no start, and here we are with a chance to make it nine and zero next week when they go back to Heinz Field. The three game road trip is done. They go back to Heinz Field, a four twenty five start. Remember that game got flexed, so if you have one of those magnet calendars. That tells you it's a one o'clock start. It is not a one o'clock start. That got flexed back to 425. Joe Burrow gets his indoctrination into Pittsburgh Steelers, Cincinnati Bengals rivalry. Should be fun. It should be fun. But I'll tell you what, I thank everyone that's here live in the live chat. If you're listening in audio platform and you wonder what is this like, go to youtube.com, search BTSE Steelers Radio. Be a part of this really awesome and growing community here on YouTube. You can get all of our PM shows live. And then they run the next day at noon on our audio platform. And wherever you're listening in audio, make sure that you follow us wherever you get your podcast search Steelers or behind the steel curtain.com or behind the steel curtain. And you'll find us for Brian, Anthony Davis and Dave Schofield. We appreciate you listening. Eight and Oh, eight. No, get pumped up. You should be excited. We are behind the steel curtain.com. Make it your one-stop shop for all things Steelers. We'll see you next week after the Bengals game, hopefully making it nine. and We'll see you.